0: Hello, and welcome back to Resonant Reels, the movie and TV show podcast with your hosts, Chandler and Adam. I'm Adam. That was a terrible intro. It's fine.
1: <laughs> I say we keep it. This is real life. What's up, people?
0: <laughs> i struggle a little bit. It's It's been a long day already, it feels like, but it's just the start of the day. It's it's great. It's that seasonal depression. It's in full effect, you know? It makes days rough. It does. It does. Today we are talking about some more holiday movies to finish off the month of December but in a rom-com sense that we've picked classics of the 25 days of Christmas from ABC family I don't think we're gonna like explicitly say that but like that's what this episode is I don't think we want to get like sued by a big Disney corporation or anything but like that's our big theme here yeah no I'll bow to the mouse. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, how's your holiday season been going thus far? It's
1: good. I just finally got onto our layoff from work, which feels amazing. So I am in my apartment that I've been paying for for two and a half months that I have spent collectively 20 hours in total, uh, if that, prior to when I just got home. So um, I was able to like unload a bunch of boxes that had my stuff in it that my girlfriend was waiting for me to undo. And tonight, we're going to finally decorate for Christmas. And we found some vegan salted caramel hot chocolate that we're going to make while we do it. So we're going to have a fun little cozy radiator constantly popping uh, New York Christmas moment. (laughs) Amazing. I love it. How about you?
0: It's been odd. My partner's kind of been sick. So she's been kind of healing up from that. But she's been getting better. So that's good. But we we got some She's from a southern family, so we got big Southern family Christmas dinner plans coming up and everything. But oddly, this year has been a very piratey vibe Christmas for me. I've been listening to a lot of sea shanties, specifically the longest Johns, if you know those guys. I do not. They're the ones who made the the Wellerman song very popular trend on TikTok. Oh, okay. I I know I know the song outside of TikTok.
1: I used it in the sound design. Actually,
0: I'm becoming bigger fans of theirs. Uh, I I mainly been following them a lot lately because there's uh, this YouTube group called the Yogscast that I follow, and they do this Jingle Jam charity live stream event every December. Uh, they've been doing it for like a decade now, or something. Longest Johns have been guest starring on the live streams a lot when people have been calling out sick and such because it's hard collecting a bunch of people together to stream video games and inevitably sickness does happen. And so they've just lived down the street to their offices in Bristol. And so they've been just playing a lot of sea shanties live and it's hilarious. (laughs) That's awesome. It's been, very, it's been very odd, because I've been like, I just want to be sailing the high seas for Christmas. You know what?
1: At least it won't be crowded, because I don't think that's a popular choice amongst people. So, I...
0: <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. But let's, let's get right into it. So my movie I chose is The Mistletones from 2012. It is known as the first original ABC Family musical, which is a lot it is directed by Paul Hoen, who is known for Disney Channel original movies like Camp Rock 2, Cheetah Girls One World, and their Zombies trilogy. So I'm not very versed in the new Disney Channel stuff. So like zombies, I don't know what that is. I
1: have never heard of that. I have no idea what that is, but cool. Anyway, so the
0: movie has a lot of like, lesser-known people, because that's what a lot of these ABC family movies have as casts, except for like some of the lead roles. They have Tia Mowry as the leading lady, and then Tori Spelling as the nemesis of the leading lady. So I have a tradition, usually. I, I might have grown in grad school when I had a slight bit of a drinking problem in grad school, where I did a lot of drinking games. And so when the holidays came around, there was a lot of holiday-themed drinking games. I've had to resist that because this movie in particular gets you hammered really quickly on just a couple rules that I usually have. Throw some rules out. What are what are a couple of the rules? Anytime you hear a recognizable Christmas song or holiday song, doing a musical, that's rough.
1: Yeah, I was going to say not a great start like literally as the opening of the movie happens you're drinking
0: (laughs) and it's every new version too so like if it's if it's like the same instrumentation it's fine that's just one drink but if it's like we're gonna do jingle bells in a rock form and then jingle bells in like a rap version those are two separate drinks And then the only other rule I add to this movie, because already the music is a lot anyways, is Christmas puns, like in dialogue and such like that, or in naming schemes. And you played the drinking game to this movie. Did you make it through the movie? (laughs) I did prior when my partner showed it to me for her first time. uh, I did not make it very far. I, I don't remember the last half of the movie. This time I stayed sober. So I can actually watch it all. Sure, of course. Got to talk about it.
1: Yeah, I just the the singing competition alone. Every group name was a pun, and every group sang a different iteration of a Christmas carol.
0: So I don't remember any of that when I did the drinking game. So I feel like <laughs> I was given water at that point. Probably, please drink responsibly and drink with people who will help take care of everyone properly. Like, like let's drink safely, everybody. I do want to try it again, but maybe like do more sips instead of, you know, shots, because I think that's what messed me up.
1: That would kill anyone, I think, actually. So you're the ghost of Christmas past as far as I'm concerned right now.
0: It was a rough. It was a, a rough morning after. So anyways, this this movie centers around acapella. There's a lot of acapella in this movie. I mean, this is like also the year like Pitch Perfect came out earlier that year. So there just seemed to be this like extra acapella vibe anyways in the mainstream media for some reason. So, you know, ABC Family had to jump on board, make make money out of, you know, maybe not some fully thought out script writing. So we, we open up the movie to me, singing automatically. And, and there's like tryouts for this acapella group called the Snowbells. Bells as in B-E-L-L-E-S. Already our first pun right there. And they're apparently like this well-known acapella group of this small town that's not that small of a town. And this movie plays on the small town definition like crazy. But we meet our first character, Holly, because of course, all of the main character names that fall in love and everything have Christmassy names. And she's late and falls out of the shower because of her cat who's named Bonkers, which is a weird name for a cat, but you know, whatever. You do you, you do you. And like, from the beginning, this movie is like, is only charming because it's so flawed because that shot when she's like fell out of the shower, she is dry as a bone. Oh yeah. So there's just a lot of that, like you immediately get that vibe from the beginning of like, this is this kind of movie where like, we're playing with reality hard. And also, I mean, I give props to people doing like this like TV movie budget soundtrack composing, working sound mixing and everything, even though it sounds like a high school musical movie where like you can tell people are lip syncing very hard. And like when people are out of sync and doesn't vibe, they did the best they could with the budget they had. So we follow Holly, which we learn has, of course, the worst luck and the biggest clumsiness of any lead character of a holiday Christmas movie, as always, with these lead characters. And she's trying to get to this audition for the Snowbells. She gets there. She's late, but like they haven't lost the time and the space for the church. And she goes out of her way to sing a song to try to impress everyone. But the lead person in charge, Marcy, is a diva. And does not want Holly to be part of the Snowbells, fearing that, you know, honestly, it's some Marcy has some self esteem issues. She's a bit of an imposter, it feels like, as an acapella group leader. And she's fearful that Holly will take in and just take that thunder and become the new leader of the Snowbells because we learn that Holly's mother started the Snowbells. Back in the '80s, I guess it's really they've been a group for 30 years. It's ambiguous.
1: Yeah, I, we we guess we guess the '80s ish.
0: They play with time very ambiguously in this movie a lot as well. I tried to question it, I guess, when I was doing a drinking game to this movie. I guess, and I went on a rant while watching the movie, and I was very disruptive. So I don't remember that, but that was a thing I did. So we learned that Holly works at like this office company place thing where they believe in productivity over employee satisfaction so it's very corporate bullshit-esque and everything Holly's best friend AJ who works in the cubicle next door they're like clearly like good best friends and everything and they josh each other around and Holly is like hoping she gets in the snowballs then there's like a big company meeting and her phone goes off and she goes hallelujah out of nowhere kind of thing and it's like really awkward and weird and then she's like answering the phone but like not half answering the phone because she's in the middle of like a big office meeting and everything which at the office meeting we found out through HR that the holiday Christmas party was going to be held in the lobby of the office but it should only have a 9% reduction in satisfaction and happiness. Like, it'll only suck 9% more. Like, it's okay. And a
1: very HR uh, thing to say.
0: <laughs> exactly. So Holly is with, on the phone with Marcy, and Marcy's telling her she's not, she didn't get into the Snowbells because Marcy's decided on getting Stacy into the Snowbells because she looks the part and everything. The Snowbells right now with Marcy in charge definitely feel like a mean girls group. Like, this movie definitely feels like Mean Girls meets High School Musical. Yes. Yeah, it's very odd. So Holly's bent out of shape that she didn't get into the snowbells, and, like, it's devastating to her. We, as the audience, don't really know that, know why and understand until she gets back home with her sister, and we learn that her mother started the snowbells, and it's like a big family thing. And we learn that her mother has passed away, so we don't see her. Which is very common in these holiday movies, I feel like, of a dead relative that meant a lot about Christmas. My goodness, it hits it hits all the cliches so hard. I do want to be clear. There is a lot of singing in this movie. So much. Good, bad, everywhere in between. (laughs) It doesn't stop. And the the underscoring is Christmassy throughout. Like you can tell when it's like a you can listen for Christmas tunes and everything. Like when it when you get a abc family holiday movie like this like they're pulling all the stops like they're gonna have their way so this movie is like very jumbled i feel like because we just like hop around between like the same three locations and just the characters that are within it so there's like a lot of going back to the office going back to this one bar and then going back to the mall and like that's like our three locations throughout this whole movie and that's it yeah pretty much we get like one or two
1: more inside Holly's home but like yeah
0: we learn that Holly's boss is Nick talk about another holiday name you know St Nick right there Nick is kind of in charge of this this field office and he's been he's very much trying to like climb that corporate ladder more and more because he's like a single man with no family and he's just a workaholic it's the big city trope
1: in a way and it's the small town girl trope in a way
0: yep so Holly is like devastated but then she has divine intervention, Christmas spirit or something as she's trying to drive to work and this, the mall LED sign is like giving her real messages about how like it doesn't have to be the snowbells that play on Christmas Eve for the Christmas Eve spectacular or whatever. So then she goes into the mall and talks to the mall owner 'Cause I guess that's a thing.
1: Apparently, who is just a weird kind of greasy guy.
0: Like Yeah, he's he's got like some like Detroit Grease ball vibes for sure. He is currently playing Santa at the mall. He's the Santa Mall as well. Anyways, Holly goes up to him and she's like, Let's have a competition to see who sings at the Christmas Eve spectacular. And the and the guy's like, I'm not really sure about that, but then he's like, that might make more foot traffic to the mall and be great and everything. And so he's on board with it, which gives Holly a reason to like try to make her own acapella group because that was an idea from her sister so she can compete with the Snowbells because she just wants to sing at the Christmas Spectacular currently. She gets back to work and she tells AJ about this. And AJ's like, are you sure about this? And he's like, I'll be your first member. So he's joined this acapella group. And then they have the classic cliche of one of the random employees is like doing a small little sing diddly at the water cooler. And they have the turn and look heads next to each other who's singing so beautifully moment. And it's Larry. <laughs> Larry's guy from purchases or something. He's a great guy. I think he's a great actor. He did a wonderful job of just being this lovable guy. Person. And so they get him to join. And then he's like, hold on. Bernie from HR has a great voice. And so they like drag her into the women's bathroom, which is already awkward to have two men with two women in the women's bathroom. (laughs) AJ's making comments of like, it's so nice in here because there's like candles and little soaps and towels everywhere. (laughs) So stereotypically nonsense of like women's bathroom stuff. And so they force Bernie into a stall to force her to sing because she feels under pressure with a bunch of people staring at her. And she starts singing and she's got this beautiful voice. And so she joins the acapella group and they all find a way to try to practice. And they're like, oh, we'll practice in the warehouse downstairs after everyone's gone home from work at five o'clock. By the way, five o'clock is darkness outside like it is like vampires come out at night dark and i don't understand it at all so they do some rehearsals and it's very musical montage-esque because it bounces back to the snowbells in rehearsals as well and so we get the like back and forth of like the 12 days of christmas i think was the first one and it's like this really weird hip-hop rock and roll merge back and forth it was a little jarring i i will not deny it it was a little jarring to watch i was a little freaked
1: well because also the auto-tune between the snowbells jumping into this group uh which has not chosen their name yet spoiler alert it's the title is uh, was like super different like it almost like switched genres
0: yeah Uh, like switched keys it felt like like the snowbells were singing like a couple steps up versus keys and
1: tempo and like and like but the orchestration physically
0: changed like it was rough i mean maybe that was the intent because they're all like we're not good enough after that first session of practice because it's like two weeks away for the competition they all kind of like go home holly Gosh, she is the worst driver I have ever met. So on her way home, she she is not paying much attention to the road and almost hits like this drunken guy tr- trying to cross the street. And the way she reacts is she closes her eyes, hits the brakes and just slams the steering wheel like 180. And you're like, "What? what? And she's just spinning around the road and then hits a snowbank. And, like, we're supposed to accept that, like, that's an okay response while driving, right? No, it's not. It's terrible. It's terrible. So she's waiting for a tow truck. And the way she calls the towing company is, like, she's off of Main Street. And I'm, like, so how small of a town is this town if, like, all you have to do is it's Main Street. But, like, they're worried about the biggest snowstorm ever, like, with highways and stuff. Like, it don't make sense. Make it make sense. Anyways... Luckily, across the street, there's a bar doing its Friday night karaoke. So she pops in to get a glass of wine and listen into a bunch of karaoke. And then this guy comes on stage and he's singing like a rock star. All the ladies are swooning. Can you guess who it was? It was good old Nick. So Nick is having this whole musical number by himself. Holly is like, Just so surprised and baffled by it that she records some of it on her phone. And she talks to Nick and Nick is like embarrassed after his number and everything. And Holly wants his help with her new acapella group. And he's reluctant to help because he doesn't want to prove... He doesn't want his secret to get out because this is a secret. Because he's like, I got to live this corporate life even though I, I like having fun singing karaoke. Which is weird. And it's like, then why are you bringing the house down right now? So Holly blackmails him with the video to share to the whole office, which is kind of evil, honestly. Blackmails always has been so evil to me and why it becomes... Oh, uh, yeah, it wasn't good. So we're at the next day of practice and then Nick luckily does show up and he gives pointers and we have another kind of montage musical number of them getting better and everything. And within that, Holly is like making costumes wardrobe for their performance and everything and they kind of get better but like they still lack a name so they go to the bar and they've extended the invitation to nick but nick's like i I shouldn't i gotta get back to work because i'm behind as this workaholic that i am um so they're at the bar and they're trying to think of, of names and everything and they can't think of anything holly gets back home after the bar pulls out mistletoe out of her bag and is like genius idea will be called the mistletones and it's like great that's the name of the movie awesome so then holly runs to sign up to the competition and she realizes like it's very like picture picture Santa with his naughty nice list kind of vibes of like how many people have signed up for the singing competition, which is kind of funny imagery there. So I'll give him that joke. So she gets back home. There's another like day of work or something. Her car breaks down. Nick drives her home. She gets ambushed by Marcy at home because Marcy's pissed because Stacy, the new Snowbell, has been doing some reconnaissance for Marcy and Marcy is fearful like they might actually be good. So Marcy ambushes Holly at her home, very stalkery, and extends an invitation to the Snowbells to make it a six-person group for the first time ever or whatever. And so Holly's conflicted. The next day, we got the office party, and it's like a terrible office party. It's so bad. Burning of HR has slowly been corrupted more and more that like she puts a whole bottle of rum into the eggnog at this holiday party and it tastes horrible. And says as she's finishing off the bottle into the into the thing says drink responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> and then AJ, because the party's so dead, AJ goes out to his car and pulls in his giant karaoke machine that he always has in his car. Sure. Cause why not? Holly brings a cup of this terrible tasting eggnog now to Nick in the office. Because Nick's like on a corporate call and everything. And she tells Nick about this opportunity with the snowbells. And Nick's very much like, this is ultimately your decision. I can't tell you what to do. Very wise and smart. And making Holly make the decision herself. They go downstairs. Nick busts out on the karaoke machine and outs himself to the whole office that he's a karaoke god and everything. And he kind of like joins up with the mistletoes after a romantic rendezvous makeout session in the office copy room with Holly under the mistletoe, which is also very funny, is when they leave the office and he's walking down the hallway that Bernie stops him and she's like, I'm going to need you to come by my cubicle Monday to fill out some boss employee making out forms, which is hilarious. The sass.
1: But also... That scene ending with her weird laugh alone in the hallway was so cringy. Like, it was so cringy. And I was like, they should have just cut it at the joke. They didn't need her staring at him down the hallway laughing at herself.
0: But Nick gets a phone call from the main office that someone in Southeast Asia cracked under the pressure and they want to fly Nick out there to go take care of it. So, Nick is like stuck with this, like, oh, this is my career ladder opportunity, but that means I lose my promise to Holly to be there tomorrow with the Mistletones at the competition. And lo and behold, he doesn't go, everybody. He doesn't show up. I'm just going to save you the suspense now. We get to the competition, and man, it's a time of appealing to every facet of audience you can ever have possibly think of yeah first up we get the magic mike sex appeal show the song starts and there's like no singing for like the first 30 seconds and it's just these shirtless guys in tight pants dancing around flexing their muscles on stage tight jeans they're wearing jeans I'm trying to do that shit in jeans dude fuck off <laughs> yeah and they're like playing with their muscles and everything and like dancing with their muscle it's so and they sing their song uh, they're called was it Deck Them Halls or something like that? I don't remember what their names what their name was. Anyways, where they're singing Deck Them Halls. Yeah, it's something something dumb is what it was. And then they have a fake rapper called like Luda Luda Christmas. Luda Chris Kringle. Cringe, cringe, and he's like an Eminem poser essentially on stage. No offense to the actual actual guy pretending to be this guy, but like that's what it felt like. And then we have a like girl pop group, which emanates both K-pop and dance moms merged into one, doing uh, like a whole routine on stage as well. Oh, so much cringe happening all at the same time. As they're getting off stage, they become the most evil little brat divas you can think of that like they assault aj getting off stage. <laughs> oh, it was so
1: funny though. Oh my god.
0: Yeah, and then next up is the Mistletoes and like Nick's nowhere to be found, but luckily Holly, Holly's parents are there to support her and everything and they do their whole routine and everything. But then mid song they get upstaged by the entrance of the Snowbells coming down the escalator, which is like kind of shitty. So then Snowbells do their number after the mistletones and like everybody of the mistletones is like, this has been great. Like it doesn't matter that we don't win kind of thing. Like we all had a great time. We have these new friendships here. We learned Larry's got a wife who is like objectively smoking hot and everything and everyone's just so surprised that like... Bernie gets so jealous that she makes out with AJ, but like there has been a thing growing between the, those two because like AJ surprised that Bernie plays video games and stuff. Like that's like a crazy thing that there are female gamers in the world, and I was just cringing because of that specifically. We go back to Holly's place or like her sister's place or whatever, like family kind of gathering there, and she has this like little like heart to heart with her dad about like the true meaning of Christmas and like why her mom. Made the snowbells in the first place. And it's, there's this like big theme around the importance of uh, Baby Please Come Home, that Christmas song, because that's the song that like Holly remembers her mom singing. And it's the one she would sing at the end of every Snowbells concert kind of thing. So it's a very important song to her. And she was hoping she could sing that at the Christmas Eve extravaganza thing. So then we like fast forward a week. Or something? Two days? I don't know. It doesn't time don't make or sense. Or something? Yeah, I had no concept of time in this. Some sort of time passed. Snowbells are getting ready, and they're like store converted into a dressing room for like the parade that didn't happen? Question mark. I don't know what this Christmas Eve extravaganza is still because they didn't go to the mall, but like they were out. I, it, it's confusing holly stops by and just is wanting to wish everyone a merry christmas marcy's not having any of it because she's super diva and thinks she's out for her and everything and the rest of the snowbells are like marcy you're a bitch also i was happy this movie used the word bitch in it and it's like the first time in a while an abc family movie used the word bitch it did I'm happy that that made you happy. <laughs> so Holly leaves them with conflicted feelings, the snowbells, But then there's all this like singing. She recognizes the voice and it's Nick singing, baby, please come home. And she's very reluctant because she's not happy that, you know, Nick left her. I'm
1: like an outdoor float stage, though. Like, it's not just like him casually singing. He's having a full concert. Yeah, I was like,
0: they're on the back of like an old pickup truck. I kid you not, I believe it's the same band members from the competition that we saw on the back of this like old pickup truck doing a concert in the middle of the street. Because they have the same dead faces of like, yay, I'm fake playing my bass or guitar and trying to be Christmas vibe, but I really don't want to be here. Yes. <laughs> so Nick invites her on stage and the rest of the mistletones are there Backing up, Nick, and uh, Nick professes his love to Holly. They have this loving moment because he's like, "I didn't accept the job because I realized what I truly wanted most for Christmas, and that's you." And it's cringe, cliche, makes you want to throw up a little bit. Garbage dialogue, and the movie just kind of like ends there. They make out, and it's all Christmas miracle, and it snows, and it's yay. Sorry, the snowbells do come out, and they're like, "What is that commotion?" And Marcy's like, no, we got a concert to go do. And the Snowbells are like, chill out. Like, it's Christmas. Stop being such a bitch. And then, like, maybe Marcy has a change of heart. Maybe her heart grew three sizes when she accepted <laughs> the Christmas spirit. I don't know. But she became happier in, like, a cocaine-level kind of sense for a hot minute.
1: Yeah, it was really weird. And then her friend Stacy told her to, like, just get her shit together, basically.
0: And that, that's pretty much the mistletones, like... In a nutshell, high school musical glee vibes, pitch perfect, but mean girls through and through for sure. Anyways, our other 25 Days of Christmas from ABC Family Movie is brought to you by Adam.
1: All right. Let's talk about Holiday in Handcuffs from 2007. And this was directed by Ron Underwood, starring Melissa Joan Hart and Mario Lopez I will start with the fun fact that I have for this for this movie, because there's just one. And it is that this movie is the highest viewed broadcast in ABC family history with 6.7 million viewers. And it continues to hold that record to this day, which is mind blowing to me. It is the most watched telecast in ABC family history.
0: For a movie that came out almost 20 years ago, that's insane.
1: Now, what I will say is I am sure that the star power of Mario Lopez and Melissa Joan Hart had everything to do with that. Because 2007 was still very like Sabrina the Teenage Witch popularity and like saved by the bell was reruns were like still on all the time and so yeah this was because that this um that 6.7 mil was the adults 18 to 49
0: yeah this whole movie had very much like 90s late 90s early thousands vibes of mario lopez and melissa joan hart tv shows and movies and everything like it was like in that universe like i could believe they were of the same characters that they portray in other media of that same era absolutely so i will say that because i have not watched
1: this in i don't even know how long i can't remember when i first watched this but holy crap watching it now i was like yo this is kind of crazy like it follows a very typical holiday rom-com formula But it's not like your typical holiday rom-com by any means. So our main character, played by Melissa Joan Hart, is Trudy Chandler, short for Gertrude, which is only said like once or twice in the whole film. Um, We just get her name, Trudy. And these are some of the tropes that we have going on in this movie, right? Trudy is 27, which is crazy that that is like... I don't know, just the way that she's treated and knowing that she's supposed to be 27, wild. She decided to get a degree in fine arts um, and she's an aspiring painter who currently works at um, a restaurant as a waitress and her parents are tropes. Her mom is the very overbearing, I'm going to constantly talk about your looks and judge what you wear and tell you what you should do with your hair and your wardrobe and blah, blah, blah. And her dad is like a very like, when are you going to get a real job? Like I'm high and high up in my world. Like, let me set you up with people that I know so that like you can get a, you know, get a life, whatever. And then you have David who is Mario Lopez's character. Although for 85% of the film, he is called Nick. Um, So Chandler, our movies have that in common and that the love interest's name is Nick. Um, (laughs) Technically. And he is your like very like attractive, put together, made a name for himself, holiday love interest. So we kind of have all of these dynamics. So Trudy is, again, like a, a people pleaser. She wants to just get her parents off her back, but also make them proud. And the movie basically starts with her missing a job interview that her dad had set up for her to like get this like you know, not work at a restaurant anymore and quote unquote, like start her life, even though it has like nothing to do with painting or artistry. It's at like a firm and it's like, it's just like not something she's actually interested in at all. So she gets there late and the front desk receptionist is like not having it. And Trudy tries to like <laughs> sneak in and like he's art this guy is already interviewing another candidate and he literally like closes the blinds on her as she like, is banging on the window. On top of this, we have, like, some classic things. For example, we've got the main character narration. So, Trudy is narrating parts of the film. Also, before her interview, we had a classic getting ready montage to female empowerment songs which is very early 2007 or very early 2000s is what i'm trying to say which i loved uh the soundtrack in this movie was honestly it was just great it was everything that you would expect it to be um which is just like women singing over montages just like different montages (laughs) not necessarily a lot of christmas music Then Trudy shows up at work and she's already not in a great spot. Her mom's making her wear this like hot pink, like I don't even know what material that was, like wool dress. And she unfortunately left her hair curling chemicals in for too long. So her hair is rough looking. And she just like, yeah, she's having a time and she's finishing a shift. And her boyfriend, Nick, actual Nick, comes in to the restaurant because he is supposed to be going with her to Christmas dinner at her parents' house. And she is talking to him and he says that he feels like it's too soon and that they're just not there yet. And she was like, well, do you think you could get there in the next 10 minutes? Because you told me that you're coming and they're expecting you. And he goes, I don't think we're ever going to get there and breaks up with her. He is an asshole. Like he very clearly does not care about this relationship at all. Doesn't honestly even really feel like he's in a relationship. Literally made the comment that I was just telling you what you wanted to hear. Plus we hadn't had sex yet that day. So, and I was like, oh, okay, grade A slime ball. So after she gets broken up with, Trudy literally goes into like a shock fugue state, like has a full trauma, nervous breakdown response, like is not hearing anything that anybody says to her. And David walks in and gets a table and he's on the phone. And the context of the phone call is yes, he's sure. And it's clear. He pulls out a ring from his coat pocket that he is going to propose to his girlfriend who he is meeting at this diner. When he gets up to use the bathroom in her breakdown, which is shown earlier in a scene that we get with uh, Trudy and her best friend Jessica. And the restaurant has this like gun that's from like a British revolutionary time. It's like some fully old like pistol. Jessica also has a really good quote um, that I wrote down because outside of this movie, I was like, hell yeah. And she says, it's easy to be wealthy and successful if you're born into wealth and handed success. And I was like, damn, hit the nail on the head for 2007. So anyway, we get David going up to go use the restroom and Trudy like traps him. And she's like, you're not going to the restroom. And he's like, "Uh, I am actually like whatever. And she brandishes this old as hell pistol at him and effectively kidnaps David Um, And they leave the diner and she blindfolds him with like a knit scarf or crocheted scarf and then handcuffs him like to the roof of the car using some like extra strength pantyhose and starts telling him that like they're going to her family's cabin uh, that is incredibly isolated and away from everybody else that he is going to be named Nick for the remainder of the weekend and that she, he is her boyfriend. He is like, you're crazy. I'm just going to tell them the truth when I get there. Like, What is your plan for all of this? And as he gets out to the car before she actually ties him up, I forgot, he slips on the ice and knocks himself out. So he can't even fight back. And that's how she's able to even get him in the car in the first place. So then she, he's like, uh, like, I'm not going to play along. And she's like, yes, you are. Or I'm going to shoot you. And then once again, branches like this pistol at him, which is crazy behavior. Like she has fully kidnapped a man with a gun. And this is a holiday rom-com. Okay, anyway. And she there's, a, there's like a skunk or something that makes its way into the road. And she swerves. And the gun fires. This pistol that I was convinced didn't work fires at his crotch and barely misses. But, like, she literally almost shot his dick off, which was insane. And that is, like, that kind of, like, sets a tone of he's, like, oh, shit, okay, the gun works, like, and she's crazy. So he pretends to, like, well, he he, like, tries to escape multiple times, but basically is, like, uh, this seems to be my situation. So they pull up at this gas station that's just labeled gas. The, she goes inside, she leaves him in the car and his, his blindfolds down at first and he's like, gas, gas station, green, we're off the... And then she like pulls up the crocheted thing again, like blindfolding him. So she goes inside, she gets a bottle of liquor, a bag of jerky and $10 of gas. And we just have a creepy gas station guy who's like way too old to be flirting with her and like he's missing some teeth and like he just isn't he's he seems like uh just someone you don't want to chat with he comes out because to the car because he's like i usually pump the gas for the pretty ladies and and you know trudy tries to stop him because obviously she's got a handcuffed dude in the car or you know a restrained dude in the car and he sees him he's like uh what you got going on here and she tries to play it off as like some kinky kind of like sex stuff and he's like i think you better come inside with me and she panics and like tries to pump her gas as much as possible because she was on empty and is like gonna try to book it out of there because she thinks she's about to like get the police called on her and the guy comes back out with these red fuzzy handcuffs and he's like i think you're gonna need these and she was like oh my goodness like thank you gets in the car cuts david loose from the pantyhose and handcuffs him and They make it to the isolated cabin for the family. He stays in the car and Trudy runs inside, says hi to her family. And she's basically like, uh, Nick has um, really bad social anxiety. So sometimes, you know how dad tells jokes that aren't funny, but we pretend they are and we laugh along because he thinks they're really funny. Well, Nick does that. And he has this whole bit about how like, I forced him to be here and he's been kidnapped. So if you can just like laugh along, that would be great. And they're like, okay, So, (laughs) so Trudy and David come back inside and David is immediately like, listen to me very carefully. She forced me to come here. I've been kidnapped. Like she tied me up and brought me here. And the parents are just straight faced. And then they just burst into this like fake laughter. And he's like, why are you laughing? And it's like, they just keep laughing and they think it's just a bit the whole time. So he's just like very like, fuck it. And the mom has a rule, no phones. And so everybody's phones are taken. Like, there's nowhere for him to run. There's no one for, like, him to call. Except Trudy's brother and sister are there and are very much more the, like, golden children than Trudy is. And Trudy's brother, he has a cell phone they make up an excuse that David forgot the rest of his clothes because they forgot his suitcase in the excitement of coming to the cabin or whatever. Um, And then he splits the pants open that he was given. So the brother's like, Oh, I've got some extra clothes, like come with me. And so he sees that her brother has a cell phone and he grabs the cell phone. And while he's in the bathroom, he locks himself in there and he calls his girlfriend and is like, you need to go to the police. Like this is, this is the situation. And meanwhile, the girlfriend is an, is just a jerk she's so horrible and instead of like listening to him even in the slightest at first she's like yelling at him and berating him for like not showing up to dinner and all this stuff and he's like i'm literally trying to propose to you and hearing those words like she snaps back into like being this like oh you're perfect and i love you moment goes to the so she goes to the police and david goes to trudy and is like all right You have until the police show up, basically, to do this thing. He's like, I'm going to make your family fall in love with me. And that way, it hurts you even more when you have to tell them that this is all, like, fake and whatever. There's, like, this, just this montage of events of, like, Trudy and David, like, start to fall for each other, which, like... I have to take out of my rom-com brain and be like, ah, Stockholm syndrome. Um, but like in my rom-com brain, I'm like, oh, it's cute. They like each other.
0: Oh yeah, I was getting Stockholm syndrome vibes. Like this is this movie is the very definition of Stockholm syndrome. If you think about it objectively, definition. Yes, and like Trudy tells him this
1: story because she's like convinced that her parents dislike her, and like she starts like the family starts asking Nick to do like. Holiday traditions that like Trudy usually gets to do, so she starts to get really sad, and they wind up having a conversation of like, "I just wish my family liked me as much as they like you." And he tries to assure her that they do, but she's like, "No, they they really don't. Like, they don't listen to me. They don't like me. Like, they're not proud of me anymore." And she tells him the story of like when she was ten, it was the best Christmas that she ever had because there was a huge snowstorm and her ice skating competition uh, show or whatever got canceled, and so her dad like sprayed water all over the back patio and hung up some christmas lights and her parents just like watched her do her routine and she was like and it was like the, i haven't felt that like pride from them basically like since and so one of the things that david does as he's falling for her is he turns the backyard into an ice skating rink and sets it up with like lights and everything and gives her a pair of skates and says you owe me something you have to do your your routine which also made me laugh because she's 27 she hasn't done this routine in 10 years probably hasn't touched ice skates in 10 years but did this routine flawlessly outside on this ice and shout out to whoever that stunt double was because they were very beautiful to to watch then we are at dinner christmas dinner And there's this huge fight that breaks out between Trudy's mom and dad because Trudy's mom, just like her resolve starts to like slowly chip away throughout the movie of just like this happy go lucky. I love Christmas. Everybody's fine. Like I try to micromanage everybody's life because I have no control over mine. Facade like starts to drop. Trudy's sister, Katie, who is like the prodigy who's like going to law school and whatever, announces that she quit law school and used the tuition money that her dad sent her to put a down payment on a Pilates studio in California, which was hilarious because then her dad proceeds to call California the land of fruits and nuts, which made me absolutely cackle. I thought that was such a funny dialogue moment. And then Jake announces that he's gay, to which his mom just starts laughing. He was like, honey, I knew. And then in as soon as that's over, the police kick down the door. They reveal basically that David is not Nick. David is David. And uh, he is not Trudy's boyfriend. And that Trudy fully kidnapped him. That David has like a really good job. And that was right. But that he's got a super like rich girlfriend. They all wind up in a prison cell. So imagine getting your family arrested on Christmas night. So they're sitting in a jail cell. David did not press charges. So they were all released. And our next scene is basically just seeing David like doing wedding planning stuff with his girlfriend and being miserable. And his girlfriend's like loaded. Uh, She's like super rich. And so they've got like over 20, I feel like just... Font cards in front of them of like what they want their Mr. and Mrs. David, whatever the heck, to say. He like goes out to get some air. And then the minute he steps outside, she follows him and is like, honey, we need you inside. And he's like, okay. And so like goes back in and like, he's like, do you ever have doubts about us? And she's like, what? No, this is we make sense. She was like, we're going to have a very uh like extravagant, beautiful wedding and live our lives. And through this, he realized that like his life is like not what he wants at all. This is like months later. So between them getting released from jail. And then, like, months later is when Trudy finds out about the engagement because it's such big news because of how, like, Rich's girlfriend is. It, there was, like, an article in the newspaper and stuff. And in that same, like, mail pile, Trudy has an invitation to a local art gallery to put up her art. And she calls uh, – she's on the phone with her brother as she opens it and everything. And she's like, will you come? And he's like, absolutely. He was like, are you going to tell the family? She's like, no, I don't want them there. So then it's the art gallery time and her brother shows up, introduces her to his new boyfriend. And then he absolutely did invite her sister and her mom and dad. And they show up and they are like a renewed family. They like all reconcile. And the piece that is like highlighted of her section of the gallery is a painting she did of that outside like gazebo ice skating moment that she had. At the end of the art gallery, she's sitting there and she learns that her piece sold. As she goes to leave the show, David swoops in and kidnaps her, which is very funny, and takes her into a, a building. He tells her that A, he bought the building and he basically like quit his job ended his engagement and that he is going to like do architecture like he always wanted, but it's also going to be an art studio. And he said that is someone wise once told him like life's not, or it, life is supposed to be for like pursuing the things you really love or whatever. And he said, and I want to own my own architecture business. And he said, but that, that business is also going to include an art studio. And my first piece is going to be this one and he reveals it and it's Trudy's figure skating piece and he admits that he loves Trudy and Trudy admits that she loves him and then they kiss and then the movie is over.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah. It was a weird one to rewatch. I I will admit. Yeah, it was strange to rewatch for sure. I was very conflicted cuz I was just like Melissa Joan Hart plays such a crazy unhinged person. Bonkers.
1: Trudy is bonkers. Not to get confused with the cat from Mistletones. Yeah. Um, Like, Truly did that whole, like, shock, nervous breakdown scene super well. In that you're like, oh, things are about to hit the fan. And then they did. And you're like, oh, God. Literally kidnapped
0: him. I mean, it, it's funny. The sim- similarities between our two movies is, like, the lead character characters are both female They both, at the beginning of their respective movies, show a sense of clumsiness and chaotic disorder of their lives that's never touched upon for the rest of the movie. It's just there in the beginning, right? Yeah. And then they both fall in love with a Nick, quote-unquote, love interest.
1: Very successful, uh, business-oriented, career-oriented, yeah.
0: Very funny. It's very funny. Like, no wonder these are very cookie-cutter, like, movies. And they, they all fit great drinking game rules all the time, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but what lovely, simple, no-brain-thought-needed
1: movies to watch to wrap up the holidays.
0: Right. Yeah. They're both, like, semi-progressive, which was very interesting. They are. But they're, like, also a little odd and little, like, too jokey about being progressive at the same time. Agreed. So... Yeah, good old wholesome family fun? Question mark. Well, with that, that wraps up December. So that is the
1: that is the end of our our holiday month, and we're moving into January, and we're gonna we're gonna kick off the the new year with uh season three of Breaking Bad.
0: So excited! But yeah, that's gonna do it for us with Resident Reels. It's been a fun year. It's been a fun time getting through. What are we? What episode are we at? This is uh, nineteen. Almost twenty episodes. Yeah, nineteen episodes. Like it's been a crazy you know, crazy start of this journey of, you know, doing this. And like it's been great. It's been a great excuse for Adam and I to talk and to watch things. Yeah. <laughs> As always, like, subscribe, comment ideas for us we're building out our new year calendar we're really excited with some of the stuff we got in store but we're always open for suggestions and everything yeah and that, that'll do it for us i think thanks for watching resonant reels that's been chandler that's been adam we wish you a happy holiday and we'll see you in the new year